Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with the other half of the Gruesome Twosome, Meg. Tonight we have a special guest. The patron saint of wholesomeness herself, St. Karen, is here. And tonight she's going to tell us a true crime tale straight from the bayou. Karen? Thanks for having me, y'all. Appreciate it. Thanks for making the trip up. Thanks for making the trip into my office. All right. So the case I'm covering isn't the most gruesome, but it, but there are so many, (laughs) (laughs) but there are so many facts in this case that like, if I dropped F-bombs, I would drop F-bombs. Every time I thought I couldn't get more upset, the, the more I read, it just, I would get more and more upset. So, so let's just get into it. In the fall of 2002, um, 12-year-old Courtney LeBlanc, her mother, Jennifer Bordelon, and her younger sister, I think it's pronounced Alana, moved to the Denham Springs area of Livingston Parish, Louisiana. Jennifer was from the area originally, but she was previously residing in the state of Mississippi. They had only been living there a few weeks when Jennifer received a call on November 14th that her brother was in a serious car accident and was airlifted to a hospital in Baton Rouge. Uh, Denham Springs, if you're not familiar with Louisiana, is just on the outskirts of Baton Rouge. It's kind of like a a sub, it's more country. It's like you can go to Baton Rouge if you want to like have fun and stuff. But if you want to live out in the country, Denham Springs is where it's at. And we learned in previous episodes that a parish is a county. Exactly. Like any sister would, she immediately went to the hospital and it it was close enough to their house where Courtney, you know, she was 12. uh, She stayed at home. Um, She was homeschooled. So she did spend a good bit of time at home by herself anyway because her mom was a working mom. So that being said, Jennifer arranged for Courtney to stay with a family friend um, because she wasn't used to staying overnight by herself while Jennifer stayed with her brother at the hospital. But after leaving the hospital, Courtney convinced the family friend. She's like, listen, I have homework to do. I really just want to stay at home. And so unfortunately, the friend did opt to just let Courtney stay at the house by herself. She did let her mom know and everyone was pretty comfortable with it. Because like I said, I think she was closer to the 13 end of 12, but she could she could handle it. So the next day, um, Friday, November 15th, Jennifer's brother was transported from Baton Rouge to a hospital in New Orleans um, for more intensive treatment. And it was the early afternoon that Jennifer came home expecting Courtney to be there. Um, She walks in, Courtney's blankets, her books are out in the living room from when she was working on her book report. But Courtney wasn't there. So her mom, every, I guess like 
it's pretty common like at COVID times that people are like kids are staying home more often by themselves because they may be out of schools may be closed but their parents may be working obviously like this wasn't that time but so Courtney her mom knew she was spending the night by herself yeah she initially was supposed to stay with the family friend um, Mm -hmm. but the friend did call and let Jennifer know what was going on and I guess they had only moved to the area two or three weeks before this happened oh hell no yeah she didn't have friends in the area so it was literally just her by herself doing her homework no and so then her mom shows up and she's gone yeah like her like and it's crazy i can picture it in my head i can't tell you how many times like that was me in the living room at, at the house with my fluffy blanket, probably doing a book report on an R.L. Stein Fear Street novel. <laughs> yeah. But that was that was me when I was 12. And but she came in. Courtney is nowhere to be found. Um, initially, mm. Jennifer wasn't panicking. She this was back in like 2002. So she was calling some family members to see if maybe they picked her up and didn't call. Cell phones weren't I mean, they were popular, but not every kid had them back then. Yeah, especially when you're 12. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, and so, like I said, she was homeschooled. She hadn't made any friends yet, so there wasn't a whole lot of people to call. So she went through the list of family members and eventually came to the conclusion to just call law enforcement and report her missing. And that was, like I said, on November 15th. 2002. Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office was assigned to the case and there's actually a lot of reason to be concerned with Courtney being missing, not just because she was 12 and no one knew where she's at, but during that summer and fall of 2002, um, y'all already covered the case of the other Baton Rouge serial killer. Yeah. But during this time is actually when Derek Todd Lee was terrorizing Baton Rouge. Oh, the so original serial killer on the loose. Yes. Well, there are a couple. They're yes. the original bat. Oh, Sean Vincent Gillis. Yeah, he didn't even he couldn't even be the original. Yeah, he was the other. Um, and so pretty immediately, not I don't want to say fortunately, but because of everything already going on in Baton Rouge, uh, the FBI was involved pretty much immediately. The profiler Mary Ellen O'Toole was consulting on the case because she was already investigating the other serial murders going on. And the reason why they just wanted to kind of not make a connection, but Derek Todd Lee's MO was normally to abduct women from their homes. And so none of them abducted children, right? It was always like Yeah, it was Yeah, exactly. But just to kind of I guess cover bases, they yeah, did because, consult in the case. Uh sh- during that time, Sean Vincent Gill, I mean, they the victim, like the victimology was so sporadic that and there were two serial killers at the time that they knew of, but they thought there were even more than that. So, I guess it would make sense that like okay, maybe the victimology has changed, maybe this was like an isolated incident. Exactly. Can I tell you a time I'm glad I wasn't living in Louisiana? Yeah, I didn't. I was just thinking that. I was like, damn, I'm glad she did live. I told you guys, like, Louis, every time we talk about Louisiana, I'm like, nope, I could probably not go there. Too it's many not murderers. gators, it's serial killers, let me tell you. Like murderers, and, and they're like all across time. From the beginning of yes. Louisiana, there's <laughs> always been like crazy murderers loose. Clementine, we're looking at you. Clemmy. <laughs> And I will add uh, a blurb in case mom listens to this. No, we get it. Karen was not staying alone overnight at 12. 
but it was just she was home at 12. Yeah, so thank you. Sorry, Marge. Let's not let's not crucify <laughs> us later. We don't want anyone thinking my mom did not have us overnight, <laughs> staying overnight by ourselves at 12. So pretty immediately, though, search parties were formed. Her pictures were put on posters. And the one person that was present for the search and gave interviews was Courtney's estranged stepfather, Gerald, a.k.a. Jimmy Bordelon. I'm not going to call him Jimmy because I'm I'm having a feeling he just didn't like Gerald. And uh, so I'm going to call him Gerald. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to give you some insight on Gerald, he and Jennifer were married in 2001 after meeting when Jennifer posted a go-kart of her daughters for sale online and uh, Gerald responded to the ad. And y'all. True love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like a you got mail situation apparently (laughs) Um, because they were married and I'm going to give you... I guess it's a spoiler alert because like the more I talk about it, the more you're going to see where this goes. So like I said, they were married in 2001 while Gerald was on parole. Um, I'm going to give you a a timeline and we can kind of go from there. For being a serial killer? uh, For just being a bad dude. Okay, so in 1979, he was actually committed to psychiatric treatment for being accused of kidnapping and rape. I, I couldn't find a lot of information like why he was given treatment instead of incarceration. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to ask. But I guess it doesn't matter because it didn't stick because in 1982, so less than a couple years later, um, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison after pleading guilty to sexual battery. Mm, I'm sensing a pattern. Yeah. Does anyone think he actually served the entire time? No. Of course not. (laughs) Based on everything we've ever learned in the past six weeks, no, I do not. Good behavior and you get out even if you just raped a lady or stole her money, whatever. And that's exactly what happened because he was let out for good behavior because in 1990 he was arrested convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison for rape and two counts of crimes against nature wait what, what? That <laughs> what is crimes against what is nature, crime I, against nature? Yeah, i'm guessing like it? it's not great because i did not find an actual description of what happened okay Crime against nature or unnatural act has a his, has historically been a legal term in English speaking states identifying forms of sexual behavior not considered natural or decent. That'll do it. Oh, so that it's is. Like- oh wait, it's funny because the very first uh the first <laughs> the very first thing that pops up is crimes against nature in Louisiana. It says sexual practices that have historically been considered crimes against nature are masturbation, sodomy, and bestiality. So that's so like a very things. like southern way to be like you're- That's not missionary style. <laughs> yeah, it seems not legal. Oof. Okay. Crimes against nature. Yes. Moving on. Okay. Moving on. Do y'all think he served uh, his full twenty? No, because in 2002, he was in this situation. And that was 90. So what, he just got out? Yep. He literally had just gotten out the year that he met Jennifer. Okay, so so don't marry dudes that want to buy goat carts from you. Right? Well, it gets, I don't want to say it gets better, but y'all just wait. So he was a- But wait, there's more. There's more. So he was on parole as a registered sex offender who couldn't have contact with children without the parent's permission. So did the mother know this? 
there's more. Keep going. So do y'all want to know the reason why Jennifer and the girls moved from Mississippi to Louisiana? Probably get away from him because he's a in December of 2001, like I think around Christmas time, Courtney disclosed that her stepfather was uh, sexually abusing her. Uh, and I it should knew also it was be coming. Yeah, exactly. It should also be noted that Courtney has two older sisters who are twins, and one of the twins also disclosed sexual abuse. It was reported to authorities, and you know Gerald was advised to move out of the house and not have any contact with them. But there's two aspects of that that just makes my blood boil. So the first was that despite Gerald's history as a violent sexual predator, the grand jury chose not to indict Gerald for sexually Wait, abusing. What? for like abusing the girls and he didn't have to go to jail they said there wasn't enough evidence that is such baloney oh my god other than the two girls not just one two girls saying that this is what was happening that's disgusting and now i'm pissed off yes so I i couldn't find a lot of information on why charges weren't pursued and i don't know if it's like a juvenile matter but the second thing that made me so mad jennifer was fully made aware of gerald's history by the louisiana parole board like his parole officer spoke to her i'm imagining the conversation kind of went like bro like sorry i know you like him but probably shouldn't have him around your children yeah and she still let him yes so now i want to punch her in the face so, like, digressing a little bit, there's actually a deadline with Tamron Hall on the ID channel called Missing Blue Eyes. Um, I paid to watch the episode, and I, I, <laughs> I watched it you. because it had interviews with, like, Courtney's sisters, the investigator on the case, and her mother. I, I liked hearing, you know, about Courtney. She was such a big light, and her sisters, like, lit up when talking about her. But the thing that kind of, I had to pause it was the interviewer asked Jennifer like about the whole situation. Like, hey, you knew his history. What was up with that? And she said that he did his time. She believed he changed and was a different person and that his mother and his father and his family had him around. So she thought it was okay. Okay, I'm going to say this and I don't care if you're listening and this pertains to you. I understand serving your time. I think there's such variances when it comes to like registering as a sex offender. I think there's a big difference between the 16-year-old boy who was peeing outside or sent a dick pic versus a man who is raping people. And more than once, who went to more jail than, more than more one than more once. It. it is exactly. not and it's a violent sex act. There's and I think I always I mean I have boys so it's like it's touchy for me like there's a difference of a a dad finding out his 15-year-old daughter is having sex with an 18-year-old boy and pressing charges against him. I think there's a big difference in that versus having violent sex crimes. I'm sorry. More than once is a habit and you're not going to change. She's an idiot and she's a dumbass. Exactly. And of course, his mom wants to see the best in him. Matthew's favorite quote in the world is the only thing stronger than a mother's love is a mother's denial. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a good one. I've never heard that. Yes. Absolutely. I would not trust a mother's opinion about her son when it comes to my (laughs) children's safety and well-being. No. I want to, like, say that to my mother-in-law. I want to be like, (laughs) I'm... (laughs) 
I would not trust a mother's opinion about her son because I mean, I am stronger. Oh, such a good quote. Karen and I are walking testaments to that with our brother. So I mean, (laughs) I love him so much, but I mean, that's this, that's the reality of it. Yeah. So I I think we can all gather where this is going. And Um, I don't want to talk about it, but go ahead. Yeah. But after obviously being super sketch, law enforcement had reason to believe that Gerald was responsible for Courtney's disappearance. Okay, wait, pause. So they moved, right? They moved away from him? Yes. Why was he there? So they maintained contact with him because he wasn't indicted. So technically- I'm going to stab myself in the face even thinking about that. He helped them move. (laughs) No, what kind of smack in the face is that to your daughters? You're a parent. You're number one job above everything else i don't care your number one job is to protect your children and there are instances as we know with meg where you do everything right and things still happen but there's a whole other side of negligence when it's you're putting your child in harm's way after they're like hey this man yeah, has when they were me. they're brave enough to tell you about it you go to court over it And then you still let him like into your lives. That's dumb. And when children have nervous breakdowns and become serial killers themselves, it's shit like this. Yeah, this is why. Yeah, this is why. Uh, I hate that. And I hate her. And it Mm. it's not even done. I don't even. Hasn't even started, really. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So after multiple interviews with Gerald, they um, did special like FBI profiling stuff. Uh, there, basically, he led police to Courtney's body, and she was recovered on November twenty sixth, two thousand. So this was quick. Yeah, he like a um, week later. Yeah, he confessed to kidnapping Courtney by knife point, transporting her to Mississippi. I'm assuming kind of where they were living, where she was sexually assaulted. And if that wasn't like bad enough, he brought her back to Louisiana where he murdered her by strangulation on the banks of the Amy River in Livingston Parish. Why did he strangle her? Because she was going to tell? I, I think and, that's... And I think... I, I don't know if he thought like, hey, like I got out twice. Like I don't know if the third time I'm going to be that lucky because um, mm-hmm. you hear that a lot with perpetrators that get incarcerated and then they're released and they never killed before. But, but they do because they're like, I am not going back there again. Especially with child molesters yeah. at Angola. Like, it's not a good oh, life. <laughs> no, Angola is oof. You yeah. mean the one Clementine escaped from? Yes. <laughs> Allegedly. I, Allegedly. I think Clemmy is still roaming around Angola, actually. <laughs> That's <laughs> insane. Because you have to, like, I don't, and I, was, I forgot to call my father-in-law. You have to take a ferry to even go to work there. Like, if you miss the ferry, you're stuck. It's, it's like a peninsula. Yeah, that was definitely some hoodoo then. She yeah, that's what I was going to say. If right you don't think there. hoodoo exists, I bring you to this. this I bring, <laughs> yeah, because it's like a peninsula, too. but the part that's connected is all like swamp and stuff. So it like you can't, re- it's not easily accessible. And I don't know if anyone has been living under a rock, but do you know what's in the swamps of Louisiana? Nothing I want to hang out with. Got some gators. <laughs> Get some big teeth in there. Yes, lots of them. So I hate this. Did they? He so he strangled her and did he throw did her he, in the river? Or just yeah, no, that was no, I was he, say. Did he, he try? So he sex like so. 
The reports I read, some use the term rape, but that was never actually confirmed. Like, I don't know if penetration was confirmed, but he said that he made her perform oral sex on him. And being that he transported her um, across state lines, one, it was a federal case. But in Louisiana, Connie, you mentioned it before, crimes like that against kids are automatically capital offenses. Boom. Yeah. Just to clarify... Rape isn't only intercourse. It's like any kind of sexual penetration. So even Mm -hmm. if it's oral, that's still rape. So he actually successfully escaped from Livingston Parish Jail. And that's why he ended up at Angola. Yeah, in 2003, before he was like, like before his trial, like while he was waiting, um, he he escaped with another inmate. They got him. I I couldn't. I didn't realize people make friends. It's like a. It's just so weird. Like when people are like, they escaped from jail. I'm like, who was not doing their job? Like exactly, exactly. But he, he, they did find him. I think it was a short. Like it wasn't like a months long thing. It was pretty. You got like a taste of freedom, and then it's like, psych. You're going (laughs) to Angola. Come on back. So he was um, tried and found guilty on June 29, 2006, of first-degree murder. It took less than 38 minutes to sentence Borland Hell to death. Yeah. To death. Yeah. Less and than I, 38 minutes for a death penalty? That's wild. That's Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. And ironically enough, his uh, his cell, like the his cell neighbor, I guess, but his cellmate because they're all individual. But on death row, he was next to Derek Todd Lee. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Shut up. Why is Louisiana so small and screwed up with these crimes? And wow. S- and so, and like, what, like. There was just, like I said, so much. But, y'all, the defense in his case tried to argue. I mean, we can all agree that Jennifer probably not getting the best mom of the year award. Absolutely not. But <laughs> no. he, they, he tried to do reasonable doubt saying that he just confessed to protect his wife and that she did it. What? That was his defense. Were they like, nope, that's not. Yeah, they shut it down pretty quickly. Well, obviously, he was convicted in 38 minutes, so they were like, you're an idiot for even trying. Yeah, it was. I saw that, and I'm like, what? Also, he took her to, they took them to the body. Yeah. He said that that Jennifer told him where to find it all. Yeah. So had he, is he dumb in the sense of did he like kind of dig his own grave by saying he took her to mississippi and then brought her back like was that because that's what really made it yeah the severe yeah i i i honestly don't know i I, why would you admit i mean i guess because he's a dumbass but like i don't understand like why you would i don't know if it was like he was finally feeling guilt um but i I would hope so i don't but that's that's interesting Anytime I think of someone escaping from any type of jail or prison, I always go to the Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) I think that's how every single single time. Shawshank. I wish it was like that every time. But he he did, I guess, get some sort of conscience um, because – so in Louisiana, um, not many states do this, I've learned, but they passed in the last – 10 to 15 years, a bill where defendants can waive their appeals in death penalty cases. Oh, so like okay. they're convicted, they can be like, I don't want any appeals. Yeah. Because like normally that's like they have yeah, to. You, yeah, you get them. That's why, uh, what was his name? Israel Keys. Is that why? Because I think that's why nope. he killed himself. 
the shit stain in California that abducted Polly Class. Oh, yeah. Richard Davis. Yeah, Richard Davis. That's he, why he is still, still alive. Because he has of his appeals. And will yeah. be for the foreseeable future. Thanks, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, so... Ugh. Yeah. So he was one of the first – his attorney said he was the first defendant, but another article I read said he was like the second. So regard, he was one of the first to utilize that option. And But he had to be assessed for competency, not only for waiving his appeals, but also like to be able to be executed. And so he was um, assessed by two different psychiatrists from Tulane. Doctor, I want to say it's Articonia, spent over eight hours with him collectively and then a doctor, I think it's Le Bourgeois. Um, it's one of those Louisiana names. Very so. French. I love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, he Bourgeois. Spent, he spent over 30 to 40 hours with Bordelon assessing him. And so you have to be assessed to even be put to death? I did not realize that. Or to yeah. just waive your appeals. For both. Wow. Oh, okay. Because you can't um, execute a mentally ill person. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I even if the jury finds someone guilty, they still have to do like regular assessments. Because like think of like all these people on death row that are developing like dementia. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. can't be executed. Also, he had, oh, been wow. a, he had been in a mental institution before. So wouldn't yeah. that have not ruled him out? Well, not necessarily because – so when I was reading the conclusion of like what his diagnosis actually is, so they diagnosed him with adjustment disorder from like being incarcerated, like adjusting to life in jail. But the big two was they diagnosed him as a sexual sadist and with antisocial mm. personality disorder. And the, and the sadist part, we're only at this point, 12 episodes deep into gruesome, but that is going to be a term we use more often than I would like to. And there, there is no helping a sexual sadist. Yeah, there's not like, a medicine for that. No, it there's is, no... Just to read the definition, because I googled it, it's inflicting physical or psychological suffering in order to stimulate like sexual excitement. Yeah, you have to be causing your partner or because sometimes like people are in like relationships and they're sadists, but you have to be they have to be in pain for it to arouse you or, you know, get it taken care of. And it's disgusting. And it really is. There's no helping that. And so I think that I don't I don't know if he was diagnosed with that early on, but I think his treatment was more so for those types of things. Yeah, um, because in his court, because they submitted like a 30 page document report to the courts in regards to his competency. And Dr. Articonia stated, and this is a quote in regards to the sexual sadism and anti uh, social personality disorder. It is, in my opinion, with reasonable degree or medical certainty, that those are the current diagnosis. But in my experience, these are not diagnoses that would affect one's ability to reason or make logical choices. So you can have these mental illnesses and still like no right. Or logically, wrong. be like, hey, I yeah. shouldn't do this. I should not, you know, yeah. kidnap rape and murder a 12 year old girl and i would think like in regards to the adjustment disorder i would i would expect that you humans are not meant to be in cages i would think you wouldn't adjust well that's normal that's also, not like you have been in jail so many times like that's your fault too exactly yeah 
you should be a pro by now. You should walk in like, what's up, Bob? I'm back again. So they Preach. did let him get the death penalty in? Like They, they were, like, did. He was actually the last person um, to date executed in the state of Louisiana. He was executed on January 7th, 2010 at Angola. How do they execute in Angola? Lethal injection. Okay. So no one I mean, has been currently. executed at Angola since 2010? Yeah. Oh, okay. I always saw executions happened more often than they do. Well, there was a big thing that the the companies that yeah would make stopped. yeah they, they stopped they making the it. yeah they stopped making the materials Co- for lethal injection the cocktail. Connie, didn't you tell me that in Japan they just like show up at your cell one day and they're like, guess what? Yeah, Today's that's the day. And we'll cover the case that I was talking about in the future. But yeah, in Japan, if you're on death row, you get no. There's not a last meal. There's not last words. They show up and they're like, hey. You die today. Let's go. And they hang you. I mean, period. That's crazy. I could see that because I have trouble eating etouffee now because that was that was his last meal. And it kind of takes away from. from I the- do not have trouble eating etouffee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I'm just like, give it all to me. Yeah, he give had some me. sort of fried fish and crawfish etouffee. And I think I a peanut like butter and jelly. Sp- that's and pretty stupid. Fish etouffee sounds so good right now. It is so good. <laughs> Karen's mother-in-law made it when we came down. And oh, oh my God. So I okay, I'll come. I changed my mind. Yeah. I'll come to Louisiana for that. And her father-in-law makes fish that like he catches himself with bait that he grew himself. And it's just made with love. And it's fantastic. So good. But not to take away from this horrible case because <laughs> this is awful. Yeah. Her mom sucks. So speaking of that, I'm that's, surprised that's, that's, that you didn't go to jail for negligence or something, you know? I, could, I couldn't leave y'all hanging. Um, so thankfully, she was somewhat held accountable for her role in Courtney's death. It wasn't Louisiana because the initial crimes didn't happen there. Like the, the abuse and things happened in Mississippi. So the state of Mississippi indicted Jennifer for felony child abuse, for failing to protect her child and knowingly allowing them to be by um, a violent sex offender. Good. Good. She was sentenced uh, – I'm sorry. She was convicted in October of 2003 and sentenced to five years. But, of course, because the pattern of this case, uh, her sentence was suspended and <laughs> she only had probation. Shut up. Well, I think <laughs> – Did she have to keep her twins? No. No. The twins were older, so I think – because they lived with their dad. So she did have one younger daughter, and I think that might – that child might have gone to her dad. Um, but the judge – did, however, um, had it in a court order that Jennifer was court ordered to write Courtney a letter every year on her birthday explaining all the ways she failed her as a mother. I might cry. I'm crying. Cruel and awesome punishment. Yeah, she would have gotten more time, but I don't know if if it because I think it was because that was about the time he tried to escape. Uh, they were trying to get Gerald at her hearing to testify that basically she knew about his history and still like let him have unsupervised access to her children. But Louisiana wouldn't transport him to Mississippi for the trial because they were worried he were he was going to escape again. Yeah, probably. I mean rightfully so, but and all they of them, it, they could just pull that from like a record or something well she did get convicted by it was more so the sentencing so she was facing 20 years and she should have gotten at least some yeah at least some jail time because that's insane any person who knowingly puts their child in danger or knows something horrible is happening happening to their child should also be tried and convicted because that is child abuse yeah and it's like the ultimate like 
failure as a person, a human, it's, it's, uh, I, 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 ugh, I can't even like find the words because things like that piss me off so much because you you just got to protect your kids. And if your child comes to you and says something like that, like you're, you don't have that man around your kids again. Or you. Or you kill the man. I mean, I'm just saying. You straight just up kidding. murdered that guy and then get an episode on our Yes. <laughs> Where we will be like, yeah, well, he kind of had it coming. Yeah, I'm never going to like, I will never, anytime I hear cases like that, like the vigilante justice of like the dad or the mom who, you know, because something happens to the kids, I'm like, yep, I feel you. Because I would, I don't know how you don't do that. Then I would highly recommend y'all not watching the uh, TV episode on the case because it'll just, because she's all up in that. In that episode talking and just loving is she playing the poor pity me like my daughter was murdered card yeah of course i want to punch and her in the y'all face y'all want to know the most heartbreaking it was at the very end of the episode and it just like honestly made me cry do you want to know the heartbreaking thing about this case so like two weeks before she was murdered gerald was at the house helping the family move fix because i guess he was in an electrician I don't know what it is with sadists being like electricians. Because they um, can get shot. <laughs> but but he was he was fixing something in their house and he got electrocuted and Courtney revived him. <gasps> no. What? Yeah, she performed CPR on him until the paramedic could get there. And then two weeks later, he's like, Oh, thanks. Thanks for saving my life. I'll take what a piece of shit. That's awful. That is heartbreaking. I'm like a little emotional about that. Because I thought mm. it's like I thought it every time I'm like, this can't get worse. And then it does. Always it does. does. It always does. I, that's why I'm just like, well, this is just the start of it. Here we go down this rabbit hole. And like for her to overcome her own feelings and even perform CPR, because if it were me and like yeah, I, I was that touch that person, I would have just watched him die. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a good enough Christian for all that. No, you're, <laughs> you're even <not>. the pa- <laughs> <laughs> even the patron saint of wholesomeness has to let someone die on their floor if that's the type of person they are. And y'all, if you like, you can apologize for that <laughs> later. <laughs> that's like you ask forgiveness and not permission. That's that you situation. go straight to church afterwards, Karen. But yeah, I would have just been like, yeah, this is what I just did. Mm. So yeah, what that sucks. I, and it it makes me so mad because if any like I it's like I lost count of how many people failed her like if he yeah. like I'm not naive to the fact that if he did his full sentences each time there would have be another Courtney because yeah you can't that but was Courtney LeBlanc would still be alive if her mom would have done what she was supposed to or at her the very least been her mom if if he was actually expected to to take his punishment and or even like, his sentence at what point like i understand that you have to have the evidence to try and convict somebody but at what point do you look at a a little kid and her sister and say you guys are not giving us enough evidence yeah you're yeah. not giving me enough information sorry no justice for you guys yeah that's crazy that they were like there's not enough here when they're both telling you they're they're recounting what happened to them. Yeah. And at that point, one, justice system, sorry, 
failed and the girls yes there are things that like make me so proud to do true crime and it's when you have like legitimate investigations and detectives good old-fashioned detective work like the episode i guess well at this point it would be last week's episode when shanann's best friend shannon shanann watts was like no this isn't right like advocating things like that make me like I love that I love that part of true crime, but it's so disheartening to hear time and time again cases like this that the justice system failed. It makes it so hard. It's just so often. It's very it's very emotionally draining. Like I know it's emotionally draining for our listeners to hear this, but to research cases and it seems like almost every case it's like, "Whoop, they slipped through the crack- cracks here. Whoop, they slipped the cracks here. Whoop, a little bit of reasonable doubt." Like it's just tough (sighs) happy new year (laughs) happy new year yeah so thanks for showing us once again this is now if you have lost count our third episode out of 12 from louisiana i'm just bringing up the rear y'all both did one brought one myself (laughs) oh that's a quarter that's a quarter of our episodes they come from louise and they're not like oh Someone walked in and shot his family. It's horrible, They're gruesome just, cases. Like, wild, yeah, yeah, horrible cases from Louisiana. And but I do, I do commend Louisiana's no bullshit approach to the death penalty. Like I, which we will elaborate on. Maybe not just not just Louisiana, but we're going to talk a bit, little bit about it next week. Can you imagine being just sitting that just sitting waiting like years and years and years and years? No, I'd do the appeal thing. Like if I was a murderer, I'd be like, can you just cancel all my appeals and just get this over with? Yeah, tomorrow. Can I just get this taken care of tomorrow? Yeah, because like please? not a lot of states do that. Um, Because there are some cases where like, they're like, I'll confess if you can like just, I don't want to linger. Like if this is a death penalty penalty case, I don't want to spend years on yeah, death Yeah, can row. you please expedite this? And they're get like, the yeah, no, bro, you have to appeal. You know that case, um, the giggling granny, that like old lady who mm-hmm. serial killed like most of her family and all of her husbands. Yeah, she uh, she was really upset that she could, she kept trying to get the death penalty and they wouldn't give it to her. Man, <laughs> <laughs> she obviously failed her psychological evaluation. They were like, "Oh no, you're you're, you're missing it." Yeah, she was. But yeah, she said, "I wish they would just." Uh, Cause that was like her thing. She like wanted an exciting life, so she. Uh, I want an exciting life too, but not to that extent. <laughs> Once she realized that jail wasn't that exciting, she said that she wished is that she would have just gotten the death penalty. This they could have ended it. She didn't have to what live is, with the guilt. What is the quote? Uh, Those who can't do teach, and I feel like that's <laughs> that's me with this podcast. <laughs> I can't do it, so I'm just going to talk to you guys about it. Oh, goodness. Sorry. If anyone has hate (laughs) mail for us, for we love you, Louisiana. Obviously, Karen's a resident. I'm coming for some crawfish etouffee. I don't know if I said that right. I'm always questioning my pronunciation. You didn't, but it's okay. Okay. I've I've learned when I like when I lived down there. You just say things faster, and then people are like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> they don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. Like they just, it's fake. They're like, "What? Oh, okay." <sighs> Thanks for coming to visit us, Karen. Thank y'all for having me. 
We'll pop you on here and there. Living the dream. I mean, I love true crime. I love podcasts and I love y'all. So like, I feel like a oh. Make-A-Wish kid. So yeah. <laughs> you're our Make-A-Wish kid. Yeah. Today. That was cute. No one else tried because you guys can't come on. <laughs> <laughs> Only Karen's allowed. Saint Karen. <laughs> Which is like the opposite of the trend for Karen's is not the Karen we have. Yeah, you can talk all the smack, but we don't have candles with St. Karen on them for nothing. (laughs) Thanks for that, Meg. Merry Christmas. And cherish that. (laughs) We'll have t-shirts soon. What would St. Karen do? Just so you can, maybe a bracelet, just so you know. The patron state of wholesomeness is with you always. Hmm. But really, not to murder anyone. Oh, I guess like, yeah, if anyone doesn't, Karen's my sister, my baby sister, the baby of the bunch, youngest of four. Just a little baby. She's a little baby. And she's lived in Louisiana for a while, which is why she has an accent in Connie. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's a very much an identity crisis. Like if I just get off the phone with Connie or my mom, like my my northern accent comes out. Thick. You are doing it right now because yeah. at the beginning yeah. of the episode, you it was much more pronounced than it is now. Yep. But the more and I talk to my in laws, the Cajun I comes out. Oh yeah, Meg. What's our TikTok name? Gruesome True Crime. I'm really sorry I didn't make it gruesome podcast like the rest of our social media. I just was like, yeah, gruesome true crime. That works. So TikTok at Gruesome True Crime if you would like to follow us and I'm not very good at it, but I'm working on it. Yeah, and I'm going to step out of my – this is how much I love our listeners. I'm stepping out of my awkward social anxiety shell and I too will be making some TikToks. And then we're going to make some together and then, you know, the possibilities are endless. Here we go, 2020. (laughs) Follow us on – TikTok, uh, Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Send us emails, please. We love them. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to leave us a review. The l- reviews are how other people find us. So you can leave one sentence. Just be like, "These ladies are cool." And yeah, I'll take it. I mean, or you can tell us you hate us. I mean, I would prefer not, but like you know, if you love us, let us know. And like I said, send us an email. Reach out to us on social media. We love it. We love talking to you guys. Happy 2021. Yeah, it's 2021. This episode is coming out. This episode's, yeah, in a year. This episode will be (laughs) next year. Next year. We are recording this episode from the past. (laughs) You remember on the one that's coming, the last one we did, we said, see you next year. So, hi. Hi, here we are. It's next year. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast bill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs)